Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this segment of Tour Talk with one of our favorites, Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. And it was a big win on Sunday at uh, the Farmers Championship out in San Diego by Patrick Reed, Bob. But, you know, yeah, had to be under a rock or... Uh, uh, I don't know, unplugged for a week if uh, you haven't been aware of the controversy that happened on Saturday on the 10th hole with the embedded ball. We should be talking about his big victory by five shots, and yet here is another uh, rules infraction, rules discussion, rules whatever with Patrick Reed. Yeah, you know, you bring up the, the victory, right? And this, sort of the sad thing is, is no matter how you view what all happened, I don't think it impacted him winning at all. You know, I mean, even if he'd have gotten a penalty stroke, which, frankly, I don't know that there was any any way that could have happened under the circumstances. He would have had to replace the ball. That's it. Um, you know, it, it's not like he... It's not like he made birdie, um, you know, or, or did so much better on the whole than he would have otherwise. Uh, but you're right. It's given who it is, his history, how that looked, um, that was bound to be bound to be an issue that that would be discussed and and, and continues to be. As you pointed out in your article on ESPN.com, his play on Sunday was. Fantastic. He had one bogey. He had eight one-putt greens. His short game, I mean, we are all on alert. Patrick Game has a dynamite short game. And he won by five shots. You know, and I don't know how he does it, but he may have the best mental, mental toughness on tour other than Tiger Woods. I mean, that's the crazy thing. It's almost like, you know, he'd be better off having something like this happen more often. I mean, the last time he won, which was uh, the Mexico Championship, that same week they, he had he had got blasted by Kepka uh, on a radio show. Peter Costas had come out on a podcast and said that while he worked for CBS, there was more than one time where he witnessed him uh, – you know, sort of tamp down the lie behind his ball, you know, uh, it, you know, put the club behind the ball uh, so, that, that it, so that it would be a clearer shot, you know. Like, you're not supposed to do that. You can set the club down, but you can't, like, push it down. You can't keep – anyway, so there was two things in that week, and he had to answer those questions, and he kind of hung over them. He got questions after he won. But he, the bottom line is he won. You know, he won a WGC, a big tournament. And then, you know, the same week that he has an issue like this, uh, where it really dogged him overnight and into Sunday, uh, and, you know, he was no guarantee to win. What, did he have a one-shot lead going into Sunday? I mean, you know, there's a bunch of guys right there. Rory was chasing. Xander, uh, a bunch of them. Xander, yeah, good, a lot of good players on a tough golf course that, frankly, is really not suited to him when you consider that he's an average-length hitter, and that is a long course. But, you know, as you noted, short game was phenomenal, and that makes up for a lot. And, and, and he went out and won. He just put it all aside and won. So, 
Um, yeah, I find it uh, it's pretty. Uh, he's pretty resilient that way. Yes, he sure is. And uh, you know, as we know, the the golf press came down pretty hard. Social media, fellow pros, golf fans, you know, have all voiced their opinions. Even uh, he even got the gentle wrath of Jim Nance. My gosh. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, was able to, you know, put it aside once he was exonerated from, you know, the PJ Tool rules officials and went out there and, and beat the field. As you said, Torrey has become one of the toughest courses uh, on the PGA Tour. And, by the way, it's going to host the U.S. Open in June. And, oh, remember Tiger Woods playing on one leg at that event? <laughs> In 2008. Yeah, you know, I think the I think the um, I'm not mistaken. They played off at, at one over or even par uh, in that U.S. Open, and and uh, what was Patrick 12 under? And look how hard it was, you know. So um, uh, look, he he um, they, they, they were they were hard on him, and, and and good for them for pointing out that it was a bad look. For, for Patrick when he picked up his ball. Uh, now, again, I think there's been some misinformation about that. You are allowed to do what he did. You are allowed to mark the ball and pick it up uh, if you think your, your ball's embedded. And he did alert his playing partners. But what was sort of bad about it was is you're, you're supposed to hold the ball in your thumb and, and finger so that nothing can, you know, if there's any mud on it or any debris, it's not, you're not supposed to get it off of there if you're going to have to replace it. Right. And if you were so unsure that you thought you would call a rules official, you should have waited for the rules official to come over before you picked it up. Like, as we've learned in Rory's case, Rory was thinking, obviously, his ball was embedded. And, and we learn now that somebody stepped on it. So, of course, it was embedded. And it bounced. You know, and so... You know, but yeah, well, his bounce, but 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 the 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 fact is, is the reason it was embedded was because somebody stepped on it. Like they, Rory said that yesterday, they uh, uh, Wednesday in Phoenix, that he learned from the tour that a volunteer had admitted later that the, that he stepped on the ball while looking for it ah. and never said anything. So that explains a lot. Yep. Like everybody was thinking, how did that ball, if it bounced in bed? Rory was surprised because he didn't think it bounced until he heard about it later. He's like, I know it was embedded. But I thought maybe it was in my pitch mark or whatever. Right. And, well, come to find out, somebody stepped on it. You know, in Reed's case, he didn't know at the time, so you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. They, here's, a, here, here's their mindset. They hit a shot, and it goes screaming into the rough, and it's wet, and the ball doesn't bounce. Okay. Well, if it didn't bounce, that means it, it just stuck. You're going to think it's embedded. So that I give him the benefit of the doubt on that. The problem is, so, so like he's over there, he's been told, no, we didn't see it bounce. He's thinking in his mind, all right, it, it's in the ground, it's embedded. Now he looks down, that lie looks terrible, he's thinking it's embedded. But when you find out later that it did bounce, it brings into question, well, what was he really looking at? Was that ball really submerged? You know, it, that's where all the questions come, and you know, it's it, it's actually to his detriment that that person told him they didn't see the ball bounce, because you know, if they would have said, um, 
they would say, yes, we did see it bounce. Then my guess is there's no way in the world he picks that ball up without calling over a rules official. Agree. Now, another piece of this was the embedded ball rule was expanded in 2019. And when you look at the rule, you've got 16.3, you've got 16.3a that now has a diagram of the different ways it can be embedded. You've got 16.4, which talks about what you're, you mentioned about placing a T in the ground. I mean, good gracious. <laughs> you know, we talk about this a lot. This is why they do have rules officials out there. That's true, and I'm, I'm sort of torn on that. Because if you and I are playing, there is no rules official. And so what are you going to do? You're going to ask your playing partner. Um, and so, you know, if they had to wait for a rules official every time that happened, uh, they would never get done. And especially on a course like that, that was wet and, and, you know, had a lot of rain on Friday. And they were playing, they played lift, clean, and place the entire tournament. True. So whenever they play lift, clean, and place, they're going to always be thinking that if their ball's in the rough, there's a good chance it's embedded. And I, I would not be surprised if there weren't eight, ten cases of people doing exactly what he did throughout the tournament. We just don't, we didn't hear about it, we didn't see it. You know, you know, a guy like, you know, sees his ball, marks it, tells his playing partners. Now, typically, you might have them come over and look, you know, but they're, they're all of the same mindset. Yeah, it's a pretty good chance that ball embedded. They don't, they're, they're, in, in, unless it's obvious, they're not going to question it. And so they, they, they play on. So, uh, I mean, look, he knew the rule, and, uh, but the reason this is a thing is because the Bahamas, uh, because of the Peter Costas stuff, you know, because of a reputation that's kind of dogged them going back to college. Correct. Um, what's interesting about Patrick, you know, he's certainly a different type of guy. Doesn't come out of the mold of a lot of these players, you know, growing up with, uh, you know, having perhaps played junior golf and, you know, come from uh, maybe a golf family or, you know, the country club life. What You know, we, we know there's uh, some more elite pathways. But one thing's for sure, this guy is, uh, you know, he's just tenacious. He's a bulldog. He's competitive as all get out. And, you know, I think in a different way, you know, you could also describe that as his passion for the game. Yeah, no question. He is a, he, well, he's a loner. Uh, goes at it, you know, he's a lone wolf, you know. He's, he really goes at it with a mindset. He plays a lot. Uh, you know, the other thing that we haven't talked about is he missed the cut the week before. His first, uh, uh, no, he had played in Hawaii. He played at the Tournament Champions. But then he missed the cut at uh, Palm Springs. And he's been going through, um, He's been going through a swing change with uh, with David Ledbetter. Correct. And so, like, he even talked about that a little bit, like it's not all completely there yet. So you, you add in all that, um, you know, sometimes it takes a little while, you know. Uh, so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, but, he, but, but he's a guy who's going to work, try to play his way through it. You know, he's playing this week in Saudi Arabia. I think he's playing at Pebble next week. It's crazy travel. And, uh, you know, he's resilient. And, and look, this is why you like him on the Ryder Cup team. Absolutely. He didn't play great in France. 
he didn't play great in France, but he he's been a great player for the U.S. in the Ryder Cup, and and he doesn't um, he doesn't let anybody get under his skin too much. Well, and we know, you know, there were some uh, there was some controversy there too with his breakup with uh, with Jordan Spieth. Um, and yet right. we, you know, and you know, I bet most people would want Captain America on our team uh, because of you know that competitiveness and that um, you know sort of uh, tunnel vision, you know, a la Ian Poulter, if you will. You know, <laughs> he just has that extra gear. No question. I mean, and the the, the the things already come up, though. Well, who are you going to partner him with? Yeah, and you know, should he be I mean, allowed to like, be on the team? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, he, he's probably – I'd be surprised if he didn't make the team on his own, frankly. You know, even though there's only six spots. Um, you know, he plays so much, and, you know, unless he really goes – goes it has a bad run. Um, I mean, there's only six spots uh, automatic this time. There's six picks. And uh, so, I mean, what what they don't want to have to face is if he's like 10th in the points. You know, I mean, if he's, if he's obviously if he's in the top six, he's on there. If he's 7th or 8th, he's almost assuredly going to get picked. But if you're 10th or 11th, now you bring in this whole awkwardness of do you put him on anyway. And... Um, so, uh, but, uh, you know, he, 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 none of them had a great one in France. But he was good in 14. He was the best player when they lost in Scotland. He was obviously very good at 18 when they won, beat Rory in singles. Um, he had a couple of pretty good President's Cups. Uh, he wasn't great at the President's Cup in 19, but he was good enough, you know. So, uh, uh, you know, won his singles. So, you know, I think it's, it, you'd be hard-pressed to say you don't want them. For all the talk about European unity, there's been plenty of guys on that team who don't get along. And they put it aside that week, you know. And so the U.S. needs to do the same thing. And somebody needs to figure out who he can partner with and, and, and get on with it. Uh, here's an interesting um, thing I've been thinking about being uh, in the PR business. Imagine if Patrick, of course, he, he made this comment uh, at some point. He was quoted saying, you know, ball just it doesn't embed when it bounces. Imagine that he, mm-hmm. you know, saw that video. Yes, you know, uh, he was, um, the rules, the PG rules official said he did nothing wrong. But imagine if he came out later Saturday and said, you know, I saw that it bounced. I'm taking the penalty. And... Imagine what that would have done to the whole landscape of this story. I mean, part of me wonders if, if behind closed doors, the tour is telling him, look, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what they say. Um, because, you know, you're right. You could, he could have said, he, he sort of doubled down on, I did the right thing. Exactly. He told me I did the right thing. And, you know, uh, the other, you know, like the other thing is, is yeah, if you add a stroke, you know, uh, yeah, does that does, does that make everybody feel better? Yeah, look, I saw the replay; it didn't bounce. That that probably that ball probably wasn't embedded. And you take the high road, and you you, you earn some brownie points, you know. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Um, 
you know, I, I wrote the other day, he's being called a cheater. I don't think you can call him that for this. I mean, that's, that is a different, to me, cheating is changing the score on your card. Telling me, telling me you have a four when you know you had a five. Kicking your ball in the rough, you know, um, uh, you know, willfully knowing that the ball crossed a hazard line way back here and you took it way up there. You know, that's cheating. You know, this to me is really great. He brought in a rules official. He he was very you know, intentional about what he did right. and explained it after the round. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, like I, I have a hard time with that word. I mean, and people have come back and said, well, once he knew that it, it, it once he knew, if, if we know that it bounced, the ball couldn't have been embedded. So he looks at that ball and says, it's a bag of knocks. It's not that simple. You know, it's a, it's a terrible lie. It's buried under the rough. You might think that part of the ball is covered um, or, or, or submerged. I don't think it's that easy, you know. And so, um, uh, like, that's a lot easier to determine. Yeah, that happened to Matt Kuchar a couple of years ago at the Memorial in the fairway. He tried to claim that he had an embedded ball that was in his own pitch mark. Uh, and it was in the fairway. You know, and there was a bunch of back and forth about it, and it, everybody saw the replay and saw that it had bounced. So the ball was not in his pitch mark, and if it maybe had come to rest in another one, well, that's not entitled to relief. You know, so when it's in the rough, we couldn't see the ball. You know, you could, you know, from even from a fairly close on camera angle, you couldn't see the ball. You know, when he dropped, you couldn't see it hardly. Uh, after he took the drop, you know, so it wasn't like he had a great clean lie. Of course, it was better than what he would have had, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's you know, it's it's you know, there's people that are going to believe what they believe, and they're not going to change their mind. And 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 look, he has his past to blame for that. Well, and he has his clubs that are doing the talking now. So right. you yep. know, to be continued, Bob. Speaking of <laughs> no rich. <laughs> The tour is in Phoenix for the Waste Management Open, what we often call the Super Bowl of golf tournaments, but it won't be the same this year. There aren't going to be the 300,000 fans through the gates uh, this week, but uh, give me your thoughts on what we'll be watching this weekend. Yeah, just kind of another stark reminder of what we're dealing with, right? Um, at least there's going to be some people out there, but compared to what you're used to seeing, it's just going to be so subdued that um, that uh, you know it's 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 almost it's almost not not uh, not worth it. But you know we're going to see some tournaments now that start to bring spectators back. Um, it's not going to happen at Pebble next week or Riviera or the week after. And I don't think they're going to have any at the concession, uh, maybe a few. We're, then we'll start to see some at Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer. I think that will be the most we'll have seen to date. Sounds like they're going to do 25%, and that's probably more than four or 5,000, which is they're going to have in Arizona. And frankly, you know, if, if their COVID numbers weren't so bad in Arizona, they'd have way more than what they're having. You know, they're the worst state right now in terms of positivity rates, and they're, they're, they're understandably concerned. 
you know. Um, if, uh, I don't know, you know, I guess I guess their numbers are well over 10% or, you know, 12%, 15%. If it's 15%, that means 15 of every 100 people possibly has COVID. Well, if you extrapolate that out, you have got 5,000 out there, you know, there's a lot of people potentially who could be on the grounds with, with, with it. You know, so um, they're they're smart to be to be safe, uh, but it's just you know again it's sad that this is what we continue to go through. It's almost a year, and clearly we're going to go past the year mark of not having full full houses at golf tournaments. You know, we're going to get you know past the players, past the masters before anybody even considers that idea. I, you know, I think we'd be lucky at the U.S. Open in June if we had that. You know, so. And I, and I would have thought even just a couple of months ago that would have been no question. But, you know, now seeing seeing the, the rollout isn't as fast as we'd like with vaccines. There's these new variants. Uh, you know, I think people are going to understandably be cautious and, and err on the side of, of less rather than more. Well, one thing uh, we're going to get to uh, see as fans, you know, we've, we've gotten to see some courses we wouldn't normally uh, due to the pandemic, and I can uh, tell all my listeners that uh, the WGC event, which was moved from Mexico to the Concession Golf Club in Bradenton, this is a fantastic golf course that we're going to get to watch uh, some of the best of the best navigate. Uh, they've got the, um, uh, you know, the sub-air system, Bob, just like Augusta. The greens roll and are undulated like Augusta, and it's going to be a real test for for the players for sure. I, that's that's absolutely the case. These guys don't know the course. I mean, virtually, I'm guessing virtually none of them have ever played it. Maybe one or two guys randomly might have played it, so they're going to get to have to get to know it, uh, which you know is is a thing, you know, you've, uh, you, you, and, and, and let's be honest, if the WGCs where they know the course, they're more likely to take it easy, getting ready, ready for the tournament. But when you've got a new course, you know, it, it sort of demands that they, that they put the work in and, and the sub air thing means that, uh, you know, even if we get some rain, uh, it's going to, should be fairly firm, fast. It's, I think it's going to be a great tournament just for that, you know, and, and, and it's a great scramble on the part of the tour, frankly. You know, um, they have managed to pull rabbits out of hats. They sure during have. This past, during this past year. I mean, for, to think that once they started, they have not missed a scheduled week with all that's gone on and all the different things that can crop up. I mean, when you see in other sports, teams being not being allowed to play, games postponed, you know, they've not had that. They've, they've, they've played every week. They've had only one other tournament that had to be relocated. That was the John Deere. Sort of a similar circumstance. The, the title sponsor just said, we can't play under these circumstances. You know, it's not worth it to us. And that's how it is in Mexico. They, they just don't feel that it, it works for them to play uh, when they can't have any hospitality, they can't have any spectators. In fact, I, my understanding is that golf course has been closed. I mean, they, they reopened and then they closed again. So, like, 
there was even the chance that the golf course wasn't going to be open in that jurisdiction of Mexico. So they they had to scramble, find a new place. I'm sure they're trying to find a new title too. They haven't said anything yet. It's only a few weeks away, but they, you know, they pulled it off. Good for them. It's pretty amazing. And and what it does is it actually makes their lives easier. The tour players, you know, now they've got four straight in Florida. They can pick and choose. Their travel's easier. Obviously, it's not that big of a deal if you were playing in L.A. You go from L.A. to Mexico City, or go to L.A. to to Bradenton, you know, Sarasota. I mean, it's not that. It's a long flight either way, so uh, I'm sure I'm sure the tour will have a charter uh, leaving leaving LA on Sunday night, and uh, you know, and and then then they've got four four straight tournaments in Florida uh, that they can commute to by car, which actually, you know, frankly, that's the better way to do this uh, in this climate makes makes things a little safer. So uh, it's a uh, it, it's it's crazy, but I give the tour a lot of credit, you know. They've, they've managed to avoid outbreaks, and they've managed to keep playing tournaments every single week. It's pretty, it's pretty impressive, and I know, I know they hold their breath every single time. Well, I think ESPN should be giving a special SB out to the PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan for, you know, his leadership, his, his vision, and his, uh, you know, ability to navigate this uh, as a sports organization. Uh, Truly, it's been truly remarkable to watch. And then, speaking of remarkable to watch, Bob, we've got to close out with your pick on Super Bowl Sunday, the Super Bowl in Tampa, which is right in your backyard. Give my listeners a sense of... uh, What's the excitement going on over there? And, uh, again, going to be strange without the fans, um, but, you know, a lot of first responders that are being treated to a very special experience. So uh, through this, we, you know, we take the good with the bad. Yeah, you know, it's actually going to probably be the biggest crowd at a football game in the NFL all year, right? 22,000, 7,500 uh healthcare workers who've been vaccinated and you know I think under the circumstances the atmosphere will be very good I hope I'm hoping for good weather that would help and look I'd be I I don't think I could live with myself over here if I didn't pick the Bucks. you know they played the Chiefs in Tampa in the regular season and they lost by three points they got behind early I think they were down 14 to nothing in in a blink then they fought back and had a chance you know and uh, it's not going to be easy. It's incredible that they even made it. Won three road games to get to to make it and uh, make it to the Super Bowl uh, and you know beat New Orleans and Green Bay on the road. Tom, terrific. You know, so, so why couldn't you beat Kansas City, which is obviously an excellent team? But why couldn't you beat them? You know, look, it's 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 not a true home game, but it's your field, and uh, you're not traveling to cold weather or a crazy dome. You know, so I, I, I give him a good shot. I give him a good chance, but uh, it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Brady, he's always been the nemesis of my Buffalo Bills, Bob. <laughs> but um, I got to say, you know, I am a Floridian now, and uh, go Bucks. Sure would be fun if they could pull it off. It's, you know, it's, hey, it's been a great year for Tampa Bay sports uh, teams. And, sure has. You know, the sad thing. The sad thing is, is that none of the fans have been able to watch any of it. You know, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup and they win in Edmonton. 
you know, and and the and the Rays, you know, obviously didn't have any people at home games, and the entire except for two games, the entirety of the playoffs was was uh, was not in town, you know, and so now, kind of ironically, the Bucks who have had fans at games. Uh, had to go on the road for the playoffs and now get to play in their own stadium, but it's a Super Bowl, so that means very, very few local people are going to get to go. So it's kind of just been crazy, you know, kind of, kind of like the, the oddity of all oddities for for Tampa sports. In, indeed. Well, it's a big weekend for golf at the Waste Management, uh, the Super Bowl. Before I let you go, you know, I have to ask you that question and have you throw the dart. At the bullseye, who's winning on Sunday at Waste Management in Phoenix? I kind of like, I've picked him a lot. I kind of like Webb to defend. Ooh. Just, I just sort of, you know, he's, he's, he's played decently. Uh, he knocks on the door a lot, you know. Um, remember that, you know, that was one that looked like Tony Finau was going to win, and Webb rallied and then beat him in a playoff. That's right. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I just sort of have a feeling about him. I, you know, it's also, it's also a different dynamic. I think some people that, that, that are put off by all the noise in the crowds now have a better chance because it's not going to be quite the same. So we could see a few people emerge too, that, that we're not thinking of. You know, I think there's some more people that we normally don't play and, uh, this week they're doing it. And, uh, so, you know, we'll see, it should be. I'm very curious to see how it all looks and plays out. Well, you know, I have a soft spot for Tony Finau, and I am dying for this guy to break through and and get a win. So uh, I'm I'm picking him for uh, for this Sunday. <laughs> all right, good deal. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Bob Herrick, ESPN.com. Check out all his stories this past week, and we always appreciate your time. Go Bucks! Alrighty, thank you.